Okay, welcome to another episode. I know we've kind of taken off a little bit again. Um, that's our apologies. We've kind of been busy with other stuff, which this is one of the episodes that's kind of going on with that other stuff. As you may know, if you follow our Facebook, uh, I am working on two book projects. One of them I am wrapping up here soon. It's pretty much done. I just have like one more story that should be submitted. I add a little bit today to it. And I'm hoping to have at least one or two more stories I'm waiting on getting, but it should be released sometime next month, probably towards the end is what I'm thinking. But it's called Mentally Caged. Uh, it's mental health stories, you know, from prison. Uh, see, you trying to think, how many, how many stories do I have? Several. Yeah, I have several. I'm trying to think how many. I have 18 stories, well, 19 if you include, uh, I talked to a sheriff department and they actually sent me like a little thing like things that they done i found an article from 2017 about it and they are very you know what would you say very supportive of everything and like interacts with the prisoners and so 19 stories 18 i have are from people they whether it be prisoners or somebody that was you know, in prison, I think one of them was a therapist. And I, the one story I'm waiting on is a CEO that's actually over the mental health in the prison they work at. So it should be interesting. But this one I wanted to talk about, it's not a story that I had gotten from the gentleman, but I shared some stories in it uh, that just kind of, I thought some of them, see, I shared five of them, I think. Some of them's kind of... Well known, one, two, three, four, yeah, five. And some of them's not. But one guy, he actually did get um, his execution postponed right now. And we'll go into his case a little bit, which is the name of the title of the episode. Hold on, let me get to the page I'm needing. But it is Andre Thomas. But Andre Thomas started hearing voices when he was nine years old and first tried to kill himself when he was 10 so this is pretty early age yeah and uh, he was filled with uh, religious delusions and hallucinations and it only got worse the older he got so if he started that young of age with i wonder if that kind of goes with his family maybe causing it or is that you know what i mean what do you mean like with the religious delusions and hallucinations like would that come from well not family but you know there's a strong belief something you know what i mean tied in with his mental illness but in uh march 2004 when he was 21 years old his mental illness had a really broke down so he had a breakdown and it resulted in him stabbing his estranged wife and their four-year-old son and her 13-month-old daughter, who she had with her boyfriend that she was dating at the time. He cut the hearts out of the two children, and he told police God had instructed him to kill and that he believed his family were demons. Holy fuck. Um, he was sentenced to death after his insanity defense was rejected despite being diagnosed with schizophrenia. The prosecutors argued that he knew what he did was wrong and his mental illness had gotten worse due to drug use. He did drink heavily and used cold medicine leading up to the murders. So I guess he like really. Well, I mean, yeah, anything like that 
can make a mental illness worse. And as you can tell, this is one of the reasons I shared this story in the book. But it, it well, it, it gets interesting. Uh, well, but there's also already. people that do that and also don't murder people. It sounds like, yeah, there's him and his wife split, it seems like. So the divorce didn't seem to be final. And, you know, she's already with somebody else, had a kid with them, you know, living a new life, and he's stuck in his Well, yeah, position. a lot of stressors, but he should have reached out for help when he started having his delusions and stuff again. Well, especially with it being at a young age, so there's history of it, like we were talking about. Right, yeah, like, it's been an ongoing problem. Yeah. You know what to watch for after so long. Like, But what I found interesting on his story, too, uh, he is blind. Because he gouged out his eyes. The first one being his right eye a few days after the murders. And uh, he ate one of them to make sure that the government could not hear his thoughts. Relatable. So, I can't remember. I'm trying to think. I think it was after he was locked up when he took out his eye. His right one. So it was after the murder. I'm pretty so sure it was, was after, yeah, like prison. it was while he was in jail. And I think the other one he took out while he was in prison after he already got sentenced. So um, I read a day, or at least two days before the murders, he had sought help at a local hospital for his delusions. And I read he had stabbed himself during that time. He was left alone. And in turn, he felt no one was helping him. So he left the hospital. So, is this just a struggle of, like, hey, we'll see you in a little bit, and then just he said, I'm walk, out. Out, walk out? Hard to tell. Like, I don't know, because around here, uh, it's you could go to the hospital, which I'm sure it's anywhere. You can go to the hospital. Sorry, that's my pop opening. And be there half the day. Well, yeah, but I think mental health isn't taken as seriously as it should be. And, like, especially in prison and stuff, like, I don't know. I don't know how to explain what I want to say. Yeah, like, but if he went to get help. But he could be full of shit, too. He might have just said that. He might have not got help. Well, there might have been, I don't know if there's documentation of him going or to the hospital. Or he may have just, like. Or that he'd be on camera. Right. In there. So, um, I did read the hospital had told police he might have been dangerous. Oh, okay, never mind. I should maybe read my stories <laughs> that I wrote. Read ahead. I, I I did write this piece like a few weeks ago. So, yeah. but okay, I did read that the hospital had told police he might have been dangerous, but no contact was made with him before the murders. Wait, so, what? so okay, they so they knew what, he was dangerous. So, it was just so like, All right, yeah, bye. so there is evidence that he went to the hospital, and they told police, "Hey, he left. He's dang. He could be dangerous." And nobody he, made contact with him before the murders happened. Now, like, if he escaped, that's one thing. But they should, like, when a hospital does, they'll do, like, a 72-hour psych hold. Or they'll call somebody to take you to a mental facility. And they usually have people stand at the door if they have the staff. So it could have been, like, maybe a staffing problem. Somebody couldn't watch him, so he just, like, slipped out. Which it could but be paranoia in a sense. It's right. like, oh, nobody's going to help me. I ain't blind Right, he might have got spooked and just tried to, like, run or something like that. I don't know, but 
Yeah, it definitely sounds like the hospital probably should have done a little better knowing that he was, like, a danger to himself and others. But a thing there, too, <laughs> especially with the cops, like, would it be their job to do, a, like, a wellness check on him? Um, I don't know the laws on that anymore because it's changed. Yeah, I'm not sure. I forgot. So, and I don't know when that was, like, what time frame that was. Uh, or, like, what the laws would have been. This has been 2004, so almost 20 years ago. Yeah. And he's in Texas. So, but if Andre got help then, at that time, would those three people still be living? Probably, because he would have been in a facility after that, had he not yes. run off. I, I, I do agree. Um, That's very tragic, though. Yeah, especially with the two children involved, and, you know, with, with the mother. Um. This definitely seems like something that could have been prevented. Yeah, there does, like I said, a lot of mental illness history in him as a child. Don't know where that came from. I'm sure if you dig a little deeper into his case, you can probably find out. <laughs> like, everything I read on those uh, articles I read, it was mostly they were fascinated that he cut out his eyes. Yeah, that, that's probably that's, like the shock factor. Everybody's like, oh, wow, he stabbed out his eyes. And, you Great. know, did talk about the crimes and stuff. But, yeah, like I said, his he isn't, he was supposed to be, uh, like I said, executed like this month. Oh, shit. But, like I said, they did stop it and delay it for how much longer, I don't know. Because I'm guessing he still is pretty bad off as well. That's the thing, it's kind of hard, like, it's very mixed emotion, because it's like, you feel for him, because you know he's crazy, and especially, like, if you have mental illness, and, like, you can relate to some of it, like, if you experience similar symptoms, or something, it's like, you want to feel for him, but then it's also, like, not really, because that's really awful what he did, so it's kind of like, I don't know how to feel about that, because it's like a difficult thing to navigate, and there's like a lot of faulty um care that took place like he should have got better help which when you're in psychosis or having an episode or something like that's obviously not how you're thinking you don't think logically obviously but also like i don't know he should have had ongoing help and that hospital not to like shit on the hospital i definitely think uh that was a a Big Which, <laughs> in reality, though, too, they might have still thought he was dangerous, but they might not think they might have thought he would have killed himself. You know what I mean? Like, which is still, well, it still not doesn't matter. Yeah, it's still They're not a good thing. Yeah, it's still not a good thing. But maybe they were going to be like, maybe nothing would come of it to an extent. But that's why you have policies and regulations yes. that don't. You're not supposed to do that. Whatever happened with that. It sounds like that they did not follow protocol of, like, what should have been going on. And I know things have changed since, obviously, since then, but still, like, even 2004, like, there were, there still had to have been plenty of policies and rules about watching your fucking psych patients, you know? Yeah, somebody comes in saying, <laughs> hey, I need help. Yeah. But, uh, anyways, that will wrap up this episode. Um. We're going to have probably two more episodes kind of promoting the book before it drops, which the third one will probably be right around the time it drops. This is a little sneak peek. 
So that's covering one of the cases. Like I said, I didn't write to this gentleman, which I wasn't sure if I could because he wouldn't be able to read it. No offense. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, but anyway, like nice. I said, we're bringing back, if you remember, Wild Bill. He will be, uh, I'm hoping to talk to him. I have talked to him recently about, you know, doing an episode. And he said, yeah, we're good. Just got to let him know. So that should be the next episode as long as everything's good. And he'll be talking about his piece that he wrote for it. It don't involve him. It involves another gentleman that he witnessed stuff happen to. And then we'll be bringing back Joseph Rizzo to talk a little bit about more with his and kind of go into detail with kind of how prison done him and stuff when he came in and all that. There's a lot going on. Yeah. So you got... There's stuff coming up. Stay tuned. So by the time Joseph's interview comes out, talking about his mental health, the book should be around that time coming out, which that would be towards the end of April. Uh, I actually was interviewed on uh, Unforbidden Truth, and I believe, if I remember correctly, that comes out April 24th as well. So you can listen to my interview there. I believe that is it. But uh, we thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you on the next one.